Hi there, we're listening to Joe Dabrowski content on Facebook. Hey, because you and I both know that this is a setup, that this is immoral. Hmm. That this is immoral and that Uh-oh. personal. Looks like I finished it all. Damn, really? Dang, and I was like, it's not a body type? Okay. <laughs> Drug prevention education. Got Joe hmm. Dabrowski. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, we just listened to all of Joe Dabrowski's content on Facebook, and now we're going to go check out something else. Check out my such Carl Security Bridge. That's in India. Hmm. <laughs> Judges get baffled by Trump lawyer's shocking claim on disqualification one hour ago. Are you going to let the greedy heating companies and their crazy high prices decide if your family is allowed to stay warm this winter? Here's how a former NASA engineer from Michigan is taking on the billion-dollar heating industry with an invention that's helping families around the country stay warm inside this winter without having to pay for expensive heating or buy dangerous space heaters. Picture this. A major blizzard has just ripped through the region with... This is Michael Popak, Legal AF After Dark. You know what that means? That means lawyers talking about law and politics <laughs> the way only we can on Legal mm-hmm. AF on the Midas Touch Network. This past Saturday, the two co-founders of Legal AF, Ben Micellis on one side, me, Michael Popak on the other, we talked about the Colorado Supreme Court oral argument. The ridiculous arguments made by Donald Trump's lawyers to argue that because Donald Trump didn't swear to the right oath to defend the Constitution, he can't be removed from the ballot in Colorado as an insurrectionist and person who engaged in insurrection and rebellion against our Constitution. Listen to Ben and me. Draw your own conclusions. This should be front page news, Michael Popak, that Donald Trump's lawyers are putting it in writing. They're arguing in their brief that Donald Trump did not take an oath to, quote, support the Constitution of the United States. Fucking ridiculous. That is in the summary of argument to the Colorado Supreme Court. Then doubling and tripling down on that, Donald Trump's lawyer went in front of the Colorado Supreme Court and argued that the Confederate president, Jefferson Davis, basically would have been able to run for president and that the Democratic Party could conceivably nominate Obama for a third term, that there really aren't limitations at all put on people when it comes to the presidency because... Donald Trump and Trump's lawyer argued a president is not an officer and doesn't take the oath to support the Constitution. So those limitations don't apply. How absurd and dangerous of an argument can you be or can you get? Here's what the oath of office says from the presidency. Quote, I do solemnly swear or affirm that I will faithfully execute the office of president of the United States. And will, to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So to argue that, number one, a president who takes an oath to execute the office of the presidency is not an officer is utterly absurd. And even making that argument is totally in bad faith. And to argue that that oath that I just read does not encompass an oath to, quote, support the Constitution of the United States is complete and utter garbage. And it should be front page news that Donald Trump's lawyer made that argument before the Colorado Supreme Court. It should be front page news that Donald Trump's lawyer argued that there are no limits. The Jefferson Davis example, the third term example, those are red alerts. And just to remind everybody, the lower trial court found that Donald Trump was an insurrectionist, engaged in an insurrection for purpose of the 14th Amendment, Section 3. But based on this tortured analysis, found that he was not an officer within the meaning of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, which states that no person shall be a senator, representative in Congress, or elector of president and vice president, or hold any office, civil or military, under the United States who having previously taken an oath. 
um, uh, to support the Constitution shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion. The judge said because Trump's because the presidency is not specifically mentioned in Section Three, but Popuk, as you pointed out, the catch-all is or hold any office. You take the oath of office that I just read. I mean, that's where people get very frustrated would be putting it lightly when it comes to uh, how people manipulate law and language. But it is important that we make very clear how law, how language is being manipulated for these nefarious purposes. So people... The, the, the legal efforts, the Midas Mighty, everybody can be armed with the knowledge to know when they're being gaslighted. And that's why I wanted to close with just talking very briefly about what went down in Colorado and just arm you with, that's the oath of office. This is what the 14th Amendment Section 3 says. And how and why this is not repeatedly front page news just goes to show you, unfortunately, how legacy media is is not doing its job um and, and, and how and why it's so important that everybody watching this share this with people tell friends co-workers family members subscribe to this channel and 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 let's just read it together let's just read what these things say and let's show you what the people are saying popak i want to throw it to you for uh for, for your analysis yeah and 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 a shout out to to legacy media in other ways uh, we're not here to suggest that there's no there's nothing good that comes out of uh what we what we refer to as legacy media there's there's plenty of of stories and analysis that i get or i pick up in places like the guardian or um Bloomberg Law or different places because they've got, you know, intrepid reporters that are, you know, not responsible for what editorial page it ends up on in their paper and are out there trying to break news. Midas Touch now is able to break news because it's got people focused on these issues. But we rely on the news feed, so to speak, that comes from these kind of media, uh, legacy media, original media. But but that's not the criticism we're making, not that that uh, that they're, they don't serve a useful purpose. It's that in certain ways, but whether it's on the publisher side or the editorial side, that they are abdicating their responsibility to bring to the surface and the way they prioritize things in their newspaper or on their feed, on their social media feed matters. And that's why we have, we think, an open lane to do what we do. Colorado... Uh, I still a head scratcher for me as to why. I mean, I know why we're talking about it, but like, why? Why we have to talk about this particular thing? First of all, I'd be embarrassed if I were Donald Trump to argue his primary argument that you can't get me on this one because I didn't take the right oath to support the Constitution. I'd be embarrassed to make that argument, but nothing embarrasses. There's no. Every time I think we hit rock bottom, Donald Trump and his lawyers start to dig. Uh, and go beyond that rock bottom. So nothing surprises me. So, hey, I would never make the argument because it's silly. It's also silly and wrong-headed from a uh, legislative history standpoint. The reason that the trial judge got it wrong, which is why we're here, she got, it, she got so much right in that decision, but got it fundamentally wrong at that last moment. On the one-inch line, she did not score the touchdown and fumbled, and fumbled it out of bounds, unfortunately, for the appellate court to pick it up is because her analysis was, well, I looked at all the legislative history and um, uh, there was an earlier draft of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, and that had the president in it. Then they took it out. So they must have taken it out for a reason. They just don't want the president. They don't want it to apply to a president. What? They, They took it out and the next draft that they used to adopt added for the first time the catch-all language that expanded the Article 14, sorry, 14th Amendment, Section 3, to all people who take a president who all people who take an oath in office like the president to support defend whatever you want to call your relationship with the constitution is it all boils down to the Merriam Webster definition of support for the for the uh, for for the president it's support plus it's not support minus it's more than support commander in chief defend uh, preserve, protect. Those are the things you can do in your office. Those are the trappings of your office. Everybody else, support. 
It's all support at the end of the day. And that's what the briefing to the Colorado Supreme Court said. So it was sort of a ridiculous hair splitting, how many angels dance on the head of a pin type analysis. And she just got it wrong. I mean, I, there's no other way to put Popak, I want to throw yeah. it to you for, uh, for for your analysis. Yeah. And 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 a shout out to to legacy media in other ways. Uh, we're not here to suggest that there's no there's nothing good that comes out of uh, what we what we refer to as legacy media. There's there's plenty of, of stories and analysis that I get or I pick up in places like The Guardian or um, or Bloomberg Law or different places because they've got, you know, intrepid reporters that are you know, not responsible for what editorial page it ends up on in their paper and are out there trying to break or different places, legacy media. There's there's plenty of, of stories and analysis that I get or I pick up in places like The Guardian or um, or Bloomberg Law or different places because Bloomberg they've got, Law. you know, intrepid reporters that are you know, not responsible for what editorial page it ends up on in their paper and are out there trying to break news. Midas Touch now is able to break news because it's got people focused on these issues. But we rely on the news feed, so to speak, that comes from these kind of media, uh, legacy media, original media. But but that's not the criticism we're making, not that that uh, that they're, they don't serve a useful purpose. It's that in certain ways, but whether it's on the publisher side or the editorial side, that they are abdicating their responsibility to bring to the surface and, and the way they prioritize things in their newspaper or on their feed, on their social media feed matters. And that's why we have, we think, an open lane to do what we do. Colorado... Uh, I still a head scratcher for me as to why. I mean, I know why we're talking about it, but like why why we have to talk about this particular thing. First of all, I'd be embarrassed if I were Donald Trump to argue his primary argument that you can't get me on this one because I didn't take the right oath to support the Constitution. I'd be embarrassed to make that argument, but nothing embarrasses. There's no every time I think we hit rock bottom, Donald Trump and his lawyers start to dig. Uh, and go beyond that rock bottom. So nothing surprises me. So, hey, I would never make the argument because it's silly. It's also silly and wrong-headed from a uh, legislative history standpoint. The reason that the trial judge got it wrong, which is why we're here, she got, it, she got so much right in that decision, but got it fundamentally wrong at that last moment. On the one-inch line, she did not score the touchdown and fumbled, and fumbled it out of bounds, unfortunately, for the appellate court to pick it up is because her analysis was, well, I looked at all the legislative history and um, uh, there was an earlier draft of the 14th Amendment, Section 3, and that had the president in it. Then they took it out. So they must have taken it out for a reason. They just don't want the president. They don't want it to apply to a president. What? They, They took it out and the next draft that they used to adopt added for the first time the catch-all language that expanded the Article 14, sorry, 14th Amendment, Section 3, to all people who take a president who all people who take an oath in office like the president to support defend whatever you want to call your relationship with the constitution is it all boils down to the merriam webster definition of support for the for the uh for for the president it's support plus it's not support minus it's more than support commander-in-chief defend uh, preserve, protect. Those are the things you can do in your office. Those are the trappings of your office. Everybody else, support. It's all support at the end of the day. And that's what the briefing to the Colorado Supreme Court said. So it's sort of a ridiculous hair splitting, how many angels dance on the head of a pin type analysis. And she just got it wrong. I mean, I, there's no other way to put it. So we knew the only issue that was framed for the, uh, uh, the uh, Colorado Supreme Court was because she already ruled that he was an insurrectionist. He did engage in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution. Uh, just that she she said that doesn't apply to him, that particular provision of the Constitution. So that's the argument. The thing that I found troubling about, and you did a good report on it, I watched it uh, with, the, with the live feed of the Colorado oral argument, Colorado Supreme Court oral argument, is that they seem to be stepping the bucket again on an issue that somebody like Michael Luddick the lion of the Federalist Society judges of all things uh, in a uh, in a piece that he did about a week or two earlier said the lawyers and the judges are getting all of this wrong. The, the, the sentence in the that you read out loud, Ben, in the in the 14th Amendment is not engage in insurrection or rebellion uh, against the United States. 
which would then have you start debating what happened on Jan 6th and was it an insurrection and were there pitchforks and how many people died, how many weapons were in their backpacks. That's not what it says. It says against the same and the same is referring to the Constitution. So the proper reading of that sentence is to engage in rebellion or insurrection against the Constitution. And his argument, which is right, is that Donald Trump engaged in that type of insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution when he refused the peaceful transfer of power at every step of the way. Not Jan 6 particularly. There was just a lot of like oral argument about knives and weapons and backpacks. And I'm like, this is exactly the rabbit hole they were not supposed to go down. They should be fo focused on the Constitution and his constitutional duties. The other thing I, I found was interesting, I don't know if you caught this, Ben, in the New Yorker magazine, they had a fascinating piece about Jefferson Davis and the trial of Jefferson Davis. And the author there posited, and I, it's a good thought experiment, if they had been successful... In, in the trial against Jefferson Davis and having convicted him and, and judged against him, we would be less squeamish as a people today about doing it against Donald Trump. But because Donald Trump is the first one in our history because of his bad acts, he's the first president. Well, I mean, those would argue that Jefferson Davis didn't cover himself in glory in departing the Union and becoming the first president of the Confederacy. But I put them both up on the Mount Rushmore of, of insurrectionists and traitors, in my own view, as people know. But if we had been successful as a country to to convict uh, and find judgment against Jefferson Davis, we'd be less squeamish today about it. But there's no doubt, and this was in the legislative history that's at the core of, the, of this argument, there's no doubt that the people in real time contemporaneous with Jefferson Davis, the, the, uh, the uh, traitor, said that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, would apply to him and should apply to him. So if it would apply to him, how could it not apply to Donald Trump if he engaged in a similar act against the Constitution? I hope that the Supreme Court of Colorado gets it right on this particular issue. It's the last stop on the train related to it. I don't think there's a Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court way to handle this, although I want to hear your view on that. But it's uh, it's uh, we're on a knife's edge here with how this decision comes out. I didn't take a lot of confidence about how this panel, this August panel of Colorado Supreme Court justice is going to rule on this most important issue, having now watched Minnesota and Michigan at their highest levels punt on the issue and basically uh, take themselves out of the running for making a decision in time for the November election. I mean, if you go and look at Donald Trump's brief, it would seem to be an insurrection against the same, referring to the Constitution by saying he did not take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. I mean, again, I don't want to lose sight that that's actually in his briefing papers. And to your point, Popak, no court here. Uh, it's on the head of a pen type analysis, and she just got it wrong. I mean, I can't believe they're play. getting away with it. So we knew the only issue that was framed for the this uh, too uh, the uh, Colorado Supreme Court was because she already ruled that he was an insurrectionist. He did engage in insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution. Uh, it's just that she she said that doesn't apply to him that particular provision of the Constitution. So that's the argument. The thing that I found troubling about yeah. and you did a good report on it. I watched it stupid uh, judge. with the live feed of the Colorado oral argument. Colorado Supreme fucking Court stupid ass judge is that they seem to be stepping the bucket again on an issue that somebody like Michael Luddick, the lion of the Federalist Society judges of all things, uh, in a uh, in a piece that he did about a week or two earlier said. The lawyers and the judges are getting all of this wrong. The, the, the sentence in the that you read out loud, Ben, in the in the 14th Amendment is not engage in insurrection or rebellion uh, against the United States, which would then have you start debating what happened on Jan 6th and was it an insurrection and were there pitchforks and how many people died, how many weapons were in their backpacks. That's not what it says. It says against the same, and the same is referring to the Constitution. So the proper reading of that sentence is to engage in rebellion or insurrection against the Constitution. And his argument, which is right, 
is that Donald Trump engaged in that type of insurrection or rebellion against the Constitution when he refused the peaceful transfer of power at every step of the way. Not Jan 6 particularly. There was just a lot of like oral argument about knives and weapons and backpacks. And I'm like, this is exactly the rabbit hole they were not supposed to go down. They should be focused on the Constitution and his constitutional duties. The other thing I I found was interesting, I don't know if you caught this, Ben, in the New Yorker magazine, they had a fascinating piece about Jefferson Davis and the trial of Jefferson Davis. And the author there posited, and it's a good thought experiment, if they had been successful in in the trial against Jefferson Davis and having convicted him and and judged against him, we would be less squeamish as a people today about doing it against Donald Trump. But because Donald Trump is the first one in our history because of his bad acts, he's the first one. Those would argue that Jefferson Davis did cover himself in glory in departing the Union and becoming the first president of the Confederacy, but I put them both up on the Mount Rushmore of of insurrectionists and traitors, in my own view, as people know. But if we had been successful as a country to to convict uh, and find judgment against Jefferson Davis, we'd be less squeamish today about it. But there's no doubt, and this was in the legislative history that's at the core of of this argument, there's no doubt that the people in real time contemporaneous with Jefferson Davis, the the, uh, traitor, said that the 14th Amendment, Section 3, would apply to him and should apply to him. So if it would apply to him, how could it not apply to Donald Trump if he engaged in a similar act against the Constitution? I hope that the Supreme Court of Colorado gets it right on this particular issue. It's the last stop on the train related to it. I don't think there's a Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court way to handle this, although I want to hear your view on that. But it's uh, it's uh, we're on a knife's edge here. With how this decision comes out, I didn't take a lot of confidence about how this panel, this August panel of Colorado Supreme Court justices, is going to rule on this most important issue, having now watched Minnesota and Michigan at their highest levels punt on the issue and basically uh, take themselves out of the running for making a decision in time for the November election. I mean, if you go and look at Donald Trump's brief, it would seem to be an insurrection against the same, referring to the Constitution by saying he did not take an oath to support the Constitution of the United States. I mean, again, I don't want to lose sight that that's actually in his briefing papers. And to your point, Popak, no court here on this issue wants to be the first The important thing to also kind of reflect upon, though, is the courage of like Judge Tanya Chutkin in the in the D.C. federal case, the D.C. circuit and the balancing of like when Donald Trump is trying to argue that imminent harm and imminent threat, clear and present danger for him to be gagged basically requires somebody to be killed. Right. And Judge Chutkin rejects that the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals rejects that the clear and present danger balancing test requires that there be um, not like someone actually getting killed. And I, I just think similarly with all of these courts not wanting to be the first and trying to parse, oh, was an insurrection this this time frame and how many hours makes an insurrection and whatever their excuses are to try to avoid, you know, engage in kind of constitutional avoidance at this stage. The problem is, is that there is a clear and imminent threat to our democracy at this very moment. And courts need to meet this moment, even on issues that are novel. I do not think it's okay for courts to try to punt it and parse words and gaslight us. But I also think it is important for uh, an educated population or to let the courts know, to let the fourth estate know, to let the world know how we feel about this. We all need to be armed with the data and information because the same way these courts are sometimes reacting to what they believe to be the pressure that can be directed their way by the wannabe authoritarian, 
and authoritarianism and fascism really relies on this public perception of strength, even when it's not there. The silent majority of Americans who support our democracy, support normalcy, who truly support the Constitution, not in some performative way, but in the real authentic way of life, that silent majority can't be overpowered by these voices of, of relentless voices of fascism and, and disinformation. And that, that's a great example of what we do every week, yeah. twice a week, only on the Midas Touch Network, on a show we like to call, wait for it, Legal AF. Right, it's exactly what you think. We sit at that intersection of law, politics, show. and justice, so you don't have to. And if you like that kind of stuff, who doesn't like that kind of stuff? And you know about us already. Welcome back. Thank you for following and being part of the audience and movement of Legal AF. If you have no idea who I am and what I'm talking about, I'm Michael Popak. That was Legal AF. And join us every week, twice a week. Freaking great show. Great show. I shared it on um, YouTube and Twitter. See if y'all are still there. Oh my gosh, you are. It's wild. <sighs> so yeah, he um because a stupid ass judge, shame on stupid ass judge. Was it Wallace? Stupid ass judge. Fucking Trump judge. It must be a Trump judge. Judge Wallace, a Trump judge. Is Judge Wallace in Colorado a Trump judge? Judge Wallace didn't kick. Trump off the ballot, but she did find that he incited an insurrection. Yeah, who appointed Sarah Wallace in Colorado? Assumed office on January 10, 2023. Governor Jared Polis, Polis appointed Wallace to the court. Oh my God! So it's a Democrat appointed governor. Democrat Democratic governor appointed this stupid bitch. Cowards. So she's not a Trump judge. Uh, freak, uh, let's see, Judge Wallace is a coward. Apparently she was threatened by Trump. Exclamation point. From what I've heard.
declaratory, declaratory relief. That Judge Wallace declared it is precedent, uh, precedent. against him and the entire Republican Party Okay. So I said, Judge Wallace is a coward, although she was apparently threatened by Trump and said she feared for her life recently from what I've heard. Seriously considering filing a lawsuit for some kind of declaratory relief, at least the part about him inciting an insurrection can be used against him and the entire Republican Party, which should be suspended, and almost 100 Republican, almost 200 Republicans removed from office and charged with insurrection and disqualified from further public office under the 14th Amendment. Fuck them. Okay. Okay, screenshot saved. It's a week, Wednesday, Saturdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. So, voila. Excellent show. See what's new under Midas Touch. Trump runs away again as Rudy gets crushed in court. Midas Touch. Political meantime. Court of Appeals drops Easter egg in opinion slamming Trump. <laughs> Good. Have you heard That's of a suicide good. lane? It's that middle lane that separates traffic. Some people call it a median. And normally, you want to stay... This is Michael Popak, Legal AF After Dark. You know what that means? We got a clip coming up of the most recent episode of Legal AF, only on the Midas Touch Network. You like lawyers talking about law and politics when they know what they're talking about? Then you're yeah. going to love Legal AF. This past week on the Saturday Night Show, Ben Micellis and me talked about uh, the D.C. court, how they handled the regagging. That sounds great. The regagging of Donald Trump, <laughs> why they did it, how they balanced the First Amendment rights uh, of, that everybody has with those that are participants involuntarily in a criminal justice system yeah. because they're defendants. We do it all. Here's the clip. Take a listen. So the gag order uh, affirmed mostly in all with all respects by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. One would think that that is a major monumental thing in, in, in American history, not just for the day or for the week. And the strong language used and the findings adopted by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals is something that you would think would be etched in history. Yet, as we were preparing for the show, Michael Popak, you pointed out, you said, Ben, do you know what page this was on in the New York Times? And I was like, I don't know. I'm assuming it's not the cover because you're asking me the question in that way. So I said, I don't know, the second or the third. And you said, no, Ben. It was buried on page 22. Buried on page 22. And I in New York. Call... In New York. The New York edition of the New York Times. So I, I, I want to just share with you just some of the portions of this ruling that 
are so historic and why it's so important that we cover it here. This is one of the findings that was made and adopted by the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Mr. Trump's documented pattern of speech, and it's demonstrated real-time, real-world consequences, pose a significant and imminent threat to the functioning of the criminal trial process. I want you to think about that. And let me just give you the main conclusion of the order right here. Um, it says the following. Um, the order of the district court, Judge Chutkin, is affirmed to the extent it prohibits all parties and their counsel from making or directing others to make public statements about known or reasonably foreseeable witnesses concerning their potential participation in the investigation or in this criminal proceeding. The order is also affirmed to the extent it prohibits all parties and their counsel from making or directing others to make public statements about one counsel in this case, other than the special counsel, members of the court staff and counsel staff, or three, the family members of any counsel or staff member if those statements are made with the intent to materially interfere with or to cause others to materially interfere with counsel or counsel staff work in this criminal case, or with the knowledge that such interference is highly likely to result. We vacate the order to the extent it covers speech beyond those specified categories. And then the order goes through all of the threats that Donald Trump has been making to former Vice President Pence and calling Mark Meadows a weakling and talking about executing General Milley, um, attacking other witnesses. And so it goes through all of that, goes through the findings by Judge Chutkin and, and ultimately reaches that conclusion. So I think they're allowing Donald Trump to attack the special counsel and the judge so long as those attacks are not criminal in nature, but as it relates to all of those other categories, and most specifically the witnesses and witness intimidation, Donald Trump's expressly precluded from that, and then family members of the and, and court staff and and family members of the special counsel, um, and then of course we talked about Popak, the other indication that the D.C. Circuit thought it needed to issue this order right now because they believe and apparently are sending a signal that they want this case to go to trial before the uh, election in 2024. What, what else do you make of this order? Yeah, before? and just to be, because uh, we're always we're always uh, fair and honest, so this is the headline. It's on page A16. A16, I'm sorry, for those that think that matters. And even the headline, I don't know if this is, this is just me talking out loud with you, Ben. I don't know if this is a reflection of media fatigue with, with covering and analyzing and drilling down on all of Donald Trump's criminal cases and civil cases. I have no other explanation editorially why this would end up on page 16. And check that, and check the headline. Court narrows gag order on Trump in election case. That was like written by the Trump campaign. It should be in a historic first appellate court gags Donald Trump based on a series of facts developed by the trial judge that he tried to topple democracy. I mean, but this is what we're left with. And that's why I think that is I didn't even know what that, that, that is. I would say it's shocking, but again, we've created Legal AF and this whole network because exactly that type of pro-fascism reporting and, frankly, buying into the right-wing propaganda. It's almost like they're, you know, they're they've got post-traumatic mm. Trump disorder, yep. and and they're afraid of the bashing that will follow. Legacy media and buying into the right-wing propaganda. See media. Eight of the bashing of speech beyond those specified categories. And then the order goes through all of the threats that Donald Trump has been making to 
former Vice President Pence and calling Mark Meadows a weakling and talking about executing General Milley, um, attacking other witnesses. And so goes through all of that, goes through the findings by Judge Chutkin and, and ultimately reaches that conclusion. So yeah. I think they're allowing yeah. Donald Trump to attack the special counsel and the judge so long as those pussies. attacks are not criminal yeah, in nature. Pussies. But as it relates to all of those other categories, and most specifically the witnesses and witness intimidation, Donald Trump's expressly precluded from that. And then family members of the and, and court staff and, and family members of the, the special counsel. Um, and then, of course, we talked about Popak, the other indication that... Question mark. This is inciting terrorism against sitting public officials, the very legal definition of terrorism. It's a fucking terrorist. How about the judge's safety? Can I stand up for the judges since they won't do it for themselves? Donald is inciting terrorism against sitting public officials. Christopher Perez. Trump for prison. The D.C. Circuit thought it needed to issue this order right now because they believe and apparently are sending a signal that they want this case to go to trial before the uh, election in 2024. What, what else do you make of this order? Yeah, and just to be, because uh, we're always we're always uh, fair and honest. So this is the headline. It's on page A16. A16, I'm sorry, for those that think that matters. And even the mm -hmm. headline, I don't know if this is, this is just me talking out loud with you, Ben. I don't know if this is a reflection of media fatigue with, <laughs> with covering and analyzing and drilling down on all of Donald Trump's criminal cases and civil cases. I have no other explanation editorially why this would end up on page 16. And check the, <laughs> and check the headline. Court narrows gag order on Trump in election case. That was like written by the Trump campaign. It should be in a historic first appellate court gags Donald Trump based on a series of facts developed by the trial judge that he tried to topple democracy. I mean, this is what we're left yeah. with. And that's why I mean, that is I didn't even know what that that, that is. I would say it's shocking, but again, we've created Legal AF and this whole network because exactly that type of pro-fascism reporting and, frankly, buying into the right-wing propaganda. It's almost like they're... You know, they're, they've got post-traumatic Trump disorder, yep. and, and they're afraid of the bashing that will follow. And look, I get it. Institutions like the New York Times are under attack right now by lots of people uh, related to free speech and other protest movements that are going on around the country. But that that's that was silly. And, and so a couple of, just a couple of small things. You hit really all the major things that needed to be hit. And, and then you and I both did hot takes. You did one with Karen. I did one on my own, kind of going through the whole 63 page. Ages. But a couple of things that I took away from it. One is tremendous pat on the back by the appellate court for Judge Chutkin. It's an unusual call out. Uh, you don't usually see it in an appellate court because they knew they were going to they knew they were going to pare her back a bit surgically from what she did. She, they said she, you almost got it exactly right, <laughs> which is good. Um, and you have a really tough case and you're doing you're doing a great job. It was almost like a shout out to Judge Chutkin towards the end of the order. Mm -hmm. And the way they paired it back was interesting. I, I, I agree with you that um, it's both it's both um, narrower, but also also has 
now baked into it a test and a balance that has to be performed by Judge Chutkin about intent related to the witnesses that is just going to create it's another test issue that's going to create a little bit of an issue i would have liked them to have been a little bit uh, a little bit clearer on it but they said up front look there is we agree with donald trump in one way that there there are first amendment rights of a presidential candidate he has to be able to respond he's got millions of followers and as they like to point out millions of detractors that want to hear from him one way or the other to be able to hear what he has to say. However, there is a limit and, and they're setting this standard so that it will be cited by other courts around the country now and in the future and by the U.S. Supreme Court until they rule something else. This is the law of the land now and it relates to these kind of this balancing test, this extension of the case you know, that you talked about involving uh, the Nevada bar, uh, Gentile. He said, look, we have to balance First Amendment fundamental rights against the rights of a trial judge to control the justice system and make sure that the trial is tried in a courtroom and not on the streets in a circus-like environment. And so Donald Trump, they chastised the lawyer for Donald Trump, who argued at that appellate hearing. They said he knows, and Donald Trump knows no limits. This is no surprise. Knows no limits. Doesn't think there should be any any situation where where Trump's speech should be uh, uh, constrained in any way, and that's ridiculous. They basically said they they also said you got a number of our doctrines wrong. They, Donald Trump's lawyers tried to argue the only way that you can gag our guy is if there's a clear and present danger to something really terrible happening. And just as she had done, Judge Millette in the in the oral argument, it ended up she wrote the opinion and baked into the opinion where she said, no, it's prophylactic. We don't need to wait to see somebody get murdered because of his speech. That's the purpose of, of having a gag in advance. And the, you're getting the clear and present danger thing wrong. They also said you got, and this is, I'm glad because a number of these principles, uh, his lawyers, uh, John Lauro, Chris Keiss, Todd Blanche for Donald Trump, they like to bring these same arguments and trot them out, cut and paste in all these different places. The gag order issue in New York that's still pending, uh, technically on the appeal, and here and in other places. And that is the heckler's veto. We've talked about the heckler's veto now for three shows running. The heckler's veto, he claims there's a heckler's veto. Heckler's veto is not what he's doing, and they reminded him in the order, you got the heckler's veto part wrong. Heckler's veto is if somebody, like when, when Obama was doing the State of the Union, and that idiot from the South, who was a congressman, yelled out, you lie! Okay, that's a heckler's veto. But that's not what we're talking about here. Donald Trump is not the heckler in this scenario because of the reaction from his public it's when the public drowns out. It's got it completely backwards, which is good that now there's a D.C. case for precedent on the books that completely takes the rug out from under them on this heckler's veto thing, which we keep saying over and over again in every filing that gets made. So I also like the fact that they dispatched Donald Trump's. And now we have an appellate decision, as I said at the top of the show. We finally have an appellate decision that addresses a number of these tropes that he keeps, these tired old saws that he keeps running out there to try to argue his case. So on balance, I, you know, I like the fact that they said the First Amendment remains secure, but there are limits. And there's a difference between a criminal participant, an indicted uh, defendant participant in the criminal justice system, and just a stranger to the proceedings. And we, this is how we think it should have been balanced. And Judge Chuckin almost got it exactly right. And then, as we said before we took our first break, as a, as a messaging to their brethren in the D.C. Circuit Court, because there's going to be another three-judge panel in the next day or so that's going to get selected because they have to get put in place and decide the briefing schedule for the immunity uh, motion to dismiss that was denied by Judge Chutkin. Yes, there's going to be briefing that's going on between now and Tuesday, uh, starting tomorrow night into Tuesday with the lawyers for Donald Trump and the lawyers for the Department of Justice over whether there should be a stay to allow the appellate court to make the decision. But ultimately, it's going to end up at the foot of a appellate panel. And this panel, Judge Millette leading, is telling that panel, right, this is like the ghost of Christmas future, but like not that far in the future, 
this trial has to happen quickly because the way they got into it, and I'll leave it on this, the way they got into it in the order that we've been describing for the last 20 minutes is that they also have to look at whether there is a least strict remedy that they can use in lieu of a gag to accomplish the same thing. And so Donald Trump had suggested, I got an idea. <laughs> put the put the trial off until after the election. There's a novel proposal that's only been made five times by Donald Trump and rejected each time. And they said, we can't do that. We That is not a solution for the problem. It would actually benefit perversely somebody in Donald Trump's position who all he has to do is go around bashing participants in the election in the uh in the criminal justice system and the benefit for that is he gets a delay in his trial we can't allow that this trial needs to happen now and that has got to be resonate with the next three that are chosen they're their historic and momentous decision that they're going to make as to whether judge chuckin got her decision right that at the indictment stage there is no presidential immunity that overcomes the conduct that has been charged the indictment. And let's get to the jury in March. If you like that, and who doesn't like that kind of clip, you're going to love what we do every week, twice a week on the Midas Touch Network on a show we like to call Legal AF. You got three lawyers who sit at the intersection of law, politics, and justice right on that corner so you don't have to. And we bring it to you in analysis like that. We debate it. We hash it out right in real time in front of you on the most interesting uh, matters of the day that we curate for you. And then we update on the Midas Touch Network on hot takes like this one, not every day, every hour to three liters of Legal AF. Ben Micellis, Karen Freeman, Ignifilo, and me, Michael Popak. So until my next hot take, until my next Legal AF, this is Michael Popak reporting. Thanks so much for watching. We're only a few subscribers short of 2 million subs. Please subscribe right now to the Midas Touch YouTube channel for free and help us grow this unapologetically pro-democracy network. Freaking idiot. My doctor told me.